God has a plan for your life. And he even uses leaders, even leaders that don't represent him well, to accomplish his work in us, molding and shaping us, and even empowering us. Satan also has a plan for our lives, and he definitely uses leaders who don't represent him well to try to immobilize us and even to destroy us. Welcome to freedom, becoming fully alive, and the third part of our mini-series entitled Empowered or Immobilized, Your Response to Leadership Failure. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray that this will be an impactful time, a time filled with revelation, a time filled with validation, a time filled with encouragement, that it would be life-giving, not a heavy, no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, but life-giving, and uh, that we will really see things from your point of view and agree with you and let you have your way with us, Lord, for your purposes, for your glory, and that we would actually grow and become even more fully alive, even if others have failed us, even leaders. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It's wonderful to be together again today. If you've joined us for the first time, we're so glad you're just stepping into the flow with freedom. There's always more, so... Today is the best day, the best time to step into the flow. I want to start with reading a couple of scriptural passages to kind of lay some foundation for what I'm going to be sharing today. And Jeff Payne has put together some wonderful PowerPoint slides. A picture is worth a thousand words. So thank you, Jeff, for all of the work that you went to even into late last night preparing for our session today. Can we give Jeff a big hand? He's incredible. He's wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's turn to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Familiar verses, I trust, but I pray the Lord will uh, uh, put new light on that which may even be familiar. It says in verse 11, Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And then I think verse 14 is very significant in light of what we'll be talking about today. It says in verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I think you'll see the significance of that as we go along today. And then turning over to John, the 10th chapter. John, the 10th chapter, verse 10. The thief, I think we know who that is, the thief comes comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is Jesus. He's the great I, I am. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So yes, God has a plan 
His plans for us are good. He's a good God. He can only do us good, even if it doesn't feel good in the process. The enemy's plan is to destroy. He's a thief. Perhaps the greatest offenses, hurts and wounds and losses that we experience in our life come from among, among those who are leaders. Those tend to be the ones that we expect the most from. To the degree that they're, it's, it's kind of ironic though, because leaders do fail, we all fail, we know that, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we know that all of us fail and leaders will fail us either because of their own shortcomings and sins or because of our unrealistic expectations or a combination of the two. So we know there can be great pain and great uh, offense there. But part of the irony today, and, and just to remind you that last time, two weeks ago when I shared, we talked about how leaders do fail, and we talked about uh, favoritism, how that can be so wounding when leaders show favorites and play favorites and a lack of integrity and uh, moral failure and broken promises, uh, control and manipulation, and we could go on and on. So yes, yes, yes. We talked then about how leaders fail, and, and we wanted that to be a time of validation, a time of identification, not minimizing, not minimizing in the least how you've been hurt, how you've been wounded, how you have been affected. But today is a day to talk about our response, which goes back to the title of this series, Empowered or Immobilized, Our Response to leadership failure. And having said that, something that's kind of a paradox is, speaking of leadership, to the degree that there is a spiritual leadership vacuum in us, to that degree, we are more vulnerable to being adversely affected by the leadership failure of others and to succumb to Satan's plan for our lives. And what do I mean by a leadership vacuum? This spiritual vacuum, this spiritual vacuum in us, a leadership vacuum in us, so to speak, exists to the degree that we look to people, places, or things more than to Jesus Christ, allowing him to satisfy our appetite for significance. We've talked about God-given appetites in the past. We have an appetite for food, an appetite for sex. Appetites aren't sinful. How we satisfy them may be another issue because if we try to satisfy a God-given appetite in a non-God-proved way, it's sin. Appetite for food, appetite for sex, appetite for knowledge, appetite for pleasure, appetite for status or significance. So part of how we set ourselves up, if I can say it this way, is if we look to people, places, and things more to Jesus to satisfy our appetite for significance. We talked last time that I shared that leaders sometimes are guilty of using people. They'll use people to get their agendas accomplished or to 
put people or have people around them to kind of be their cheerleaders, so to speak, and make them feel better about themselves and, you know, kind of eliminate the people that disagree and kind of get rid of the people that uh, make things hard for them, you know, so they surround themselves with people that agree with them and make them feel good and feel supported. Well, at the core, it's prideful, it's selfish, and it's using people. But on the other side, those who are followers sometimes use the leader because they want to be close to the leader because if they can get in with the leader in the inner circle or get some attention from the leader, they're actually using the leader to satisfy an appetite for significance in them. So sadly, sadly, many times, whether it be a business organization, a church, a family, a school, leaders and the followers use each other. They're just using each other to try to fulfill their own felt needs and in particular their appetite for significance. So we kind of set ourselves up. I'm not saying that if you've been wrong, betrayed, abused, and used, and manipulated, and controlled, that I'm, I'm not minimizing anybody else's wrong. But I pray that we can begin to see that we kind of set, set ourselves up for an additional dimension of hurt and wounding if we haven't settled the leadership vacuum in us. I really believe what God is up to is to use all things to mold and shape us into his image. So I pray even as I've shared now, I realize there's a risk in what I'm sharing because some are, have been so hurt and uh, they have a hard, they're having a hard time getting over it and that, that sense of righteousness is welling up in them, that sense of justice is welling up in them and, and it's kind of like, won't, doesn't anybody else see it? Won't anybody stop this person? This is wrong. So we, we kind of lay hold of, of a cause. We let, we, we, the justice rises up in us and, and we focus on what we think is right. But I pray that you'll see through what I'll be sharing today that that just cause can become a tool of the enemy to kill you. As we go along, sometimes pictures will help. And Jeff, if you'll put the first slide up. Uh, I want to give my wonderful wife credit for this um, diagram. The tug of war. The tug of war for our mind, emotions, and spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. Seek me with your whole heart. We talked about Jeremiah. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The dotted line means that the person is either uninformed or unwilling to process the hurt. We've all been hurt, but what do we do with that hurt? God wants to redeem all things. He wants to use even the unjust and hurtful circumstances to mold and shape us into his image. But I'm not, I, don't want to get, I don't want to get ahead of myself today. I, I want to step into and kind of point toward where we're heading, but we're not there yet. 
So we need to take a process perspective. If we, haven't, if we haven't really been in God's word, if we don't know his heart, if we really aren't seeing things from his point of view, or if we haven't settled this leadership vacuum in us the way I just described, we are very vulnerable. In our wounding, we are very vulnerable. And the enemy is feeding us lies. He wants us to feel all the more hurt and self-justified. He wants to feed a critical spirit. And his attitude is, yeah, this is my chance to make my move because his, he's got a plan. And his plan is to destroy. Sadly, I've uh, counseled many people over the years who were so disillusioned and their, their faith was shipwrecked because they had stumbled over a leader. And, and, and as they shared their side of the story with me, it was so grieving. I know there's two sides of the story, but if I went by their side of the story, I mean, they were wronged. The leader was controlling, manipulative. You know the little mini-series we did here a while back in terms of spirit of Jezebel, spirit of witchcraft, and we got into all those kind of things that can potentially be a part of the picture, not just the human nature living selfishly, but the demonic uh, uh, influence getting in there and, and making the devastation of the control and the manipulation and the, the mind games and all those things even more diabolical and, and uh, discouraging and hurtful. And as I, I've heard all those kind of situations, it is so sad, it is so grieving, and it's so understandable that the person has been deeply wounded. And it's even understandable how the progression could, could go in such a way that they are just depressed, disillusioned, and in despair. It's understandable, but I say this with love in my heart, it's not excusable, but it is forgivable on our part. So let's move to the next slide, Jeff, if you would, please. The enemy plays dirty. In football terms, with the football season starting soon, the announcers will talk about uh, the Huskers going down the field and hopefully often toward the end zone. And when they <laughs> score a touchdown, when they score a touchdown, they call it hitting pay dirt. In other words, it's, it's another way of describing achieving the goal, pay dirt. Well, the enemy has a goal, and he has pay dirt in mind too, and he plays dirty. But let's say we're in a situation and we're angry about it, and maybe even initially we're righteously angry about it. Because, you know, there's, there's a biblical basis in the Bible. When Jesus walked on planet Earth, he got angry, but it was righteous anger. He only did what the Father was doing as he turned over the uh, tables and the, in that one section of spirit, uh, Scripture in the temple, and the money changers were there, and he said, this is, this, my house, my father's house, will not be a den of thieves, but a house of prayer. There was righteous indignation there. Indignation there. There was righteous anger. He never sinned, so, but he was righteously angry. So maybe for us, even in the beginning, we are righteously angry. But if we don't process the issues of our heart, if we're not careful, even that which started off as righteous anger can go into the land of unrighteous anger very quickly. And, and it becomes that way because then we start, then we start becoming self-focused on it 
and we want things to change for our sake. When Jesus uh, did what he did in the temple that I just described, it wasn't for his sake. Oh, yes, he's God. He was God, all God, all man. But it wasn't his agenda. It wasn't his personal agenda. I only do what my father bids me to do. I only do what I see my father doing. He had no personal agenda. When we start getting a little personal agenda there, our cause, what we think is right, we think we're assessing it correctly, and then a spiritual pride can start setting in, which is not so spiritual. Anger. And then that anger turned inward and we focus and we dwell on it and it's just like putting a lemon drop on our mouth and we're just sucking on this situation all the time. It's always on our mind. It begins to consume us. We begin to be preoccupied and it just weighs us down because it feels hopeless. And then we respond perhaps with rebellion at times. We do things, we react in ways, we say things we know better, but we are justifying ourselves because after all, they're a leader, they should be doing it differently. Then we react and we do what is uncharacteristic for us. We, we leak oil, as I say. Rejection, we sometimes think about their, their message to us, if what we are looking for from them is approval and we're not getting it, then we can feel rejection. And then disillusionment, a very, very dangerous thing. Because then we are beginning not to, we're, it's like we're getting irrational. It, it's like we're, we're not seeing clearly at all. We are not seeing from God's point of view. Wisdom is God's point of view. The fear of the Lord Making Jesus the reason we do what we do or don't do is the beginning of seeing things from God's point of view. Disillusionment is not seeing things from God's point of view. Then our hurt blinds us even more. Then we isolate. That doesn't help us. And then when people start, when there's people that are committed to us and they try to be objective, and here they're trying to be objective and caring for our hearts. You know, they're not, we're really mad at this leader. We're mad at this person. We're, we're disillusioned. We're disenchanted. You know, it gets to the point where we want to talk about them and put them down and all of that. And then when this other person starts being even objective to us, objective with us, solution-oriented, you know, listening to our hearts, caring for our hearts, but wanting us to process and help us so that we don't go deeper and deeper in this spiral, then in their object, they're trying to be objective instead of just jumping on the bandwagon and we'll, we'll have a... Uh, we'll have a, a flesh fest here. We'll just, uh, uh, yielding to the flesh, we'll have a flesh fest and we'll just join in and have a session where we're tearing this leader down. Oh, that feels good. But what if this other person is being objective and solution-oriented? It's like, oh, you don't, you don't know how I feel. You don't care about me. You don't know how it is. I don't want to talk to you anymore. So you can see how people isolate themselves unless they can talk to the people who want to talk about what they want to talk about because it makes them feel good to keep feeding on the anger, the hurt, the bitterness, the self-justification. And the enemy loves it because he is in the process of destroying. And then because if we are believers, if we are believers, we can feel guilt at times. Sometimes it's the guilt because of real sin in our hearts, and sometimes it's a false guilt because if part of what that leader has done is, has been control and manipulate, then a false guilt of shame can also be part of what we feel. 
So it goes, and then loneliness, and you can see it's a desperate hole. It becomes, it starts feeling like a black hole. The next one, Jeff. Just another way of describing, or another way of illustrating this, the same kind of things. And it's just going down and down and down. This kind of has a look of a uh, kind of a, what do you call that at an ocean? A whirlpool. Vortex. And you can just see it's just sucking us down. Sucking us down. All those things. Now, I'm not bringing these things up. My message is, shame on you. How could you let this happen? You should be bigger than this. Oh, no. The Lord wants to care for our hearts and right where we're at here today. Right where we're at. Because I realize that many times, if you have been hurt and wounded by a leader, if you've started expressing your heart to that leader or those that kind of identify with that leader and you start getting honest with them, then often what will happen is it will be twisted and your loyalty will be brought into question and uh, it's like what you share can and will be used against you. So you're, you're trying to talk to people. You're trying. It maybe starts off where you, you need help. You're struggling. Oh, we shouldn't be talking about this. Well, who do I talk to? I need help. So the mind games, the manipulation, the control can just add to the shame and just add fuel to the fire of these things, and it just goes down and down. The next one, Jeff. Our hearts start getting away from us, and I wanted you to see a picture today of what your heart can start looking like when it starts getting away from you. Now, keep in mind, more than one thing is true. I haven't forgotten about how the leader has hurt you. I haven't forgotten about how wrong the leader was. I haven't forgotten about the control, the manipulation, the favoritism, the pride, the arrogance, whatever the leader's failure is, whatever, whatever applies. I, I haven't forgotten about that. I haven't minimized that, and God hasn't forgotten about it. But today, this morning, it's so important that we take a look at what's happening in us when we don't resolve it, when we don't process the issues of our heart, that when, we, when we don't process it in such a way that it becomes a non-issue. Now, a non-issue doesn't mean we're apathetic. A non-issue doesn't mean we don't care. But it's a non-issue when you know who you are, you know whose you are, you live to an audience of one, you know you're a son or a daughter, fully alive and free, you know he knows your heart, you know your life assignment, and that leader doesn't define you, nor does he have to confine you nor does he have, he's not God. He or she is not God. So today, again, what's happening to our hearts? And you know, it, it tends to happen a little bit at a time, you know. You know, the enemy likes to take us down by inches. He doesn't show up and say, I've got a plan. I'm going to destroy you. I just want you to know every day I'm going to remind you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy you. No. 
It's subtle, subtle, subtle. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little nick there, a little nick there. Not resolved. It reminds me of what it says in Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all things, for out of it flows the issues of life. Our hearts are at stake. You remember in the third part of uh, freedom, winning the war for your heart, that was a continual theme that I kept bringing up. There is a war going on, and the war is for our hearts. We are in a battle zone. We are in a spiritual battle zone. There is a war going on, and make no mistake, the enemy wants to destroy our hearts. And our hearts are treasures in the Lord. Before the Lord, they used to be desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. But now that Jesus has moved in, we have a treasure that's moved in. What? This is so precious. This is so vital. Can we allow this to happen? Are we going to allow, are we going to allow the enemy to fill our hearts with arrows because of a cause, a cause of rightness, a cause of justice? Or are we willing? to let God even use that which we can't stand. And that God hates too if it's sin. Are we going to let him, are we going to make the priority what he does in me? Or is the priority, get them straightened out, Lord. What's the priority? Both matter. Both matter to the Lord. What's our priority? I pray that our heart would be more stuffing, there's the anger, there's the hurt, there's the hatred, there's the unforgiveness. Oh, yeah, we're trying to make it up here, trying to keep positive attitude here, trying to do it on our own strength. But our grace space, if you will, the enabling grace of God is shrinking. And one thing, you, one thing we should know, even from a physical human point of view, if you were hurt many years ago, Maybe for a while you were able to manage around that hurt. Maybe you were able to cope with that hurt. Maybe you were able to choose to step over that hurt again and again and again. But the older you get, the harder it's going to be to keep going if it's unresolved. Because your earth suit and your, your whole being, spirit, soul, and body, on your own strength will have less strength. Which is good. Which is good that we have less because that's, 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 that's a good thing. God wants us to have less. He wants us to run out of gas so that our only hope is the divine grace to live by. Next picture, Jeff. The picture gets worse. Notice that with the anger, the bitter roots, the hurt, the poison, fear, insecurity, Hatred, poison, poison, poison. Our heart becomes poison. Isn't this, isn't this ironic? I, I, I pray you're beginning to see that what happens is, though our focus has been outward, and maybe, we, maybe in the beginning we correctly assessed the situation 100% perfectly in terms of the leadership failure. And if we were to recite it to the Lord, he would have said, I agree 100%. But then our thought would have been, well, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you expose this person? Why don't you make them repent or something? Take them out of that position. They're hurting so many people. They're hurting me. They're hurting others. Lord, this is wrong. How could you let it happen? Those are common responses 
but the poison grows if we don't, if we're not careful to guard. Next picture, Jeff. And then we begin to live out of this. If it hasn't already begun to spill, if it hasn't already begun to go out, it starts going out. Living out of the pain, living out of the poison, the infection, critical. Uh, even can affect, uh, affect our physical well-being, physiologically, sicknesses, bitterness, envy, and wrath. As it says in Proverbs, bitterness, envy, and wrath is as rottenness to the bone. even could affect our sleep. And then, as John Eldridge says in Waking the Dead, one of his references in there is when so often we'll give our hearts away, we'll give our hearts away to other things, addictions, alcohol, drugs, other things, because we're looking to those things to fill or to gratify. And then when we start giving our hearts away in that way, and whatever that is, it has more power over us than we have over it. It becomes an addiction, a stronghold, if you will, a bondage, an addiction, and then we have a hard time getting our hearts back. That's, that's, that, that gets my attention. The further you go down this road, the further your heart progresses the, bl- the, the, the blinder, the more, blind, the more blinded, the more blinded we become. And then when people try to reason with us and even pray for us, the pain, the hurt, and the demonic. I mean, by then, the, the enemy has got a grip on us. He's got a... He wants to destroy, doesn't he? But, but Lord... I was right. They were wrong. Look what they're doing. Look at the damage they're doing. Somebody needs to get them out of that position. They're hurting people. And look at, Lord, I'm not the only one that's disillusioned. Look at all the other, look at the trail of blood. Look at the trail of blood that's being left. Will somebody stop this? And if he doesn't stop it right away, then what? If we respond this way, are we becoming a part of the problem or a part of the solution? And the ironic thing is, the ironic thing is, that in many cases, we actually become like the other person. Or worse. Maybe not the same things, maybe not all the same ways that it expresses itself, But it's true that when things are unresolved, hurt people hurt people. And we become a barbed wire person or or a porcupine. And anybody gets close to us and they're going to get stuck. Isn't that tragic? Isn't that ironic? That we, if our hearts, if we don't, if we don't, Resolve if we don't see this start to turn around. Our hearts can get away from us, our lives can get away from us, and we actually become 
like the very one who's hurt us and offended us, or worse. It's tragic. It's painful. It's immobilizing. It's deadly. I, I've really been compelled to share this mini-series, and I know there's more. There's always more, but speaking for myself, as a leader, though we all have opportunity to be leaders because leader, leadership is all about influence with or without a position. But I have a position, so I've got the fear of the Lord. I have more than one position. Many of us have more than one position. Whether it be in the home or in the workplace, the church place, different opportunities. But one thing that really offends me and I believe that my heart hasn't gotten away from me when I've said this, so I will say it, and I, I, I pray that I'm not deceiving myself, but having just gone to the Willow Creek Conference over at uh, Brookside, the, the Willow Creek Conference from uh, Chicagoland, Bill Hybels is the pastor, in the first session he was talking about uh, those Popeye moments, you know, Popeye the sailor, the spinach, and he always came to the rescue of olive oil, and uh, usually when Brutus or somebody was taking advantage of olive oil, uh, Popeye would come to the po point where he said, I can't stand it. I can't stand it no more. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't stand it no more. And then, of course, he'd grab, he'd grab the spinach and it'd pop open and his muscles would pop and he'd come to the rescue. And it was the Popeye moment. And, and Bill's, Bill's message was that so often... So often that's what's involved, whether it was Moses with the burning bush and what was going on with the oppression of the Israelites or other uh, defining moments, if you will, other uh, moments filled with fire and passion and being convict, convicted and convinced. But even in those moments, our hearts can get away from us if we're not careful. Because if a cause of rightness makes, is, is more important to us than the condition of our hearts and our relationship with the Lord, then the good thing, even the good thing, can become the God thing, the idol, and be a tool in the hands of the enemy to destroy. But having said that, one reason I'm compelled is because, to teach on this, is because simply stated, I can't stand weak leadership. And what do I mean by weak leadership? Leaders who are lacking in integrity, people, leaders that are, lack, that are not servant leaders. It is greatly offensive to me. Uh, serve me leadership is very offensive to me. Servant leadership is what Jesus is like. And people who use people to get their agendas accomplished and their, and their kingdoms built is very, very offensive to me. Now, I believe that as I say it today, it's righteous anger. But I'm well aware of the potential of it getting away from me. So I have the fear of the Lord. And here's where the fear of the Lord comes in, is that even as I say that, the application, the application of, okay, now what, is right here. My desire is to be a part of the solution, and my desire is to invite each of you to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem, but a part of the solution. 
If your heart looks like that, you will not be a part of the problem. You will not be a part of the solution. You will not be a part of the solution. You will be a part of the problem if your heart gets away from you. So don't be surprised if, you're, if you experience righteous anger. Don't be surprised if, if you're bothered by the things that bother God. When the Israelites were oppressed, it bothered God. It bothered Moses initially, and he took things into his own hands, and we know that got him in trouble, and it took another 40 years before he was ready to be God's instrument to lead the Israelites out. It wasn't Moses' agenda, it was God's agenda, and he invited him to join him in what he's doing. We need to see life as in not what I do for God, but what God wants to do and what he wants to invite us into. It's his agenda. It's his church. It's his business. How things are done or haven't done. And it's not up to us to appoint ourselves to straighten it out or to build it, but to obey. So today is an invitation to obey. But at the same time, I pray a reality because you know what? You may not have felt that it was safe to allow any kind of anger to be on your radar screen. You may not have felt it was safe to not like something that was wrong. You may not have felt, I I shouldn't feel this way. How can you not be bothered by what bothers God? God hates sin, whether it's yours, mine, or anybody's. Don't be surprised if you're bothered. But it's what we do with it. Now what? Now what? And that's the point of this today. Immobilized or empowered, your response, my response to leadership failure. The next slide, Jeff. This is the price. This is the price. (laughs) It will not be resolved without the cross. The instrument of death to the self-life, to the me-first life, and God's going to use people, places, and things Leaders, non-leaders, everybody, anybody, he wants to. People, places, things, positives, negatives, circumstances. He's going to use the word of God. He, he wants to use the word of God to convict us, convince us. The, good, the goodness of the Lord leads us to repentance. That's all part of it. The conviction of the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit. But there's the destination right here. And you know, it can get harder and harder. It gets, you see how it's wide there? The highway to hell is broad, and many will choose its easy way. But the gate to life is narrow, and few will ever find it. So it gets harder and harder. It gets harder and harder. The more you know, one of the greatest challenges that I have faced since I've come to the Lord, but it really has become a non-issue, but I'll share it anyway. The greatest potential challenge is when the Holy Spirit moves in, you have eyes to see from God's point of view. And what you see is not necessarily going to be pretty from God's point of view. But then we need to learn to bear the burden of our insights. As opposed to, oh, that's wrong. I've got to tell somebody. I'm going to tell this person right now. This person is wrong. I've got to expose this person. I've got to tell them they're wrong. No, 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 no. Pray, pray, pray. Talk to God before you talk to them. And he may say, I don't want you to talk to them. Just pray. You pray, and you're learning how not to be. I'll deal with them. You're learning how not to be. 
It's not your job to straighten them out. They're not going to listen to you anyway, probably. You tend to Steve. You be a part of the solution. And if God has in mind for you to be a part of the delivery of the message, be willing, be fearless, be courageous. All part of bearing the burden of your insights. I can see how the insights that God has given me, even though they're imperfect ins insights, of course, you know, because we only see in part, right? God sees perfectly, we see in part. So sometimes we think we see it clearly, but we really don't. We just see in part. So I've learned to hold my so-called insights loosely. And if there's any truth in them, eh, that could be tough to hold and carry. So I need, I need, I'm thankful for eyes to see, but I need, I need, now I need wisdom what to do with it. And then I need grace to carry it so it doesn't kill me. That's, that's, but the enemy, isn't that just like the enemy? You know, if he can't get us, if he can't destroy us before we repent and believe, then after we do, he said, okay, it, it, okay, I didn't get them. They, they, they went to the cross. They gave their lives to the Lord. Now they got the Holy Spirit living in them. Wow, you know what? They're going to see a lot of stuff now they weren't bargaining for, and I'm going to use that stuff to sour them. I'm going to use that stuff to contaminate them. I'm going to because they're going to see all the imperfection. They're going to see nobody's doing this right. There is no a good example, and the enemy won't even admit probably Jesus was the perfect example, but he surely is going to try to exploit every imperfect example on planet Earth, and he'll want to highlight that. And he'll want to think, he'll want us to have some doubt. See, nobody's living it. Nobody's living it. It isn't relevant. See, the church today is powerless and irrelevant. Why do you want to, what are you talking about? And then the person starts believing it. They get disillusioned. They think, yeah. I don't, want anything, I don't want anything to do with it. It's a joke. It's a farce. Well, the truth of it is, more than one thing is true. Some... In some situations, it is a joke. In some situations, it is a farce. In some situations, it is powerless. It is irrelevant. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And we can be. We can be. We can be different. We can be difference makers. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can live in and from his life. We can be empowered. And the goal isn't that we're perfect. The goal isn't that we don't sin. The goal is Jesus and letting him have his way with us, molding and shaping us and use whatever he wants to use to bring us to the cross, which is the beginning of the Christ life. And notice on the other side of the cross, notice on the other side of the cross, we start seeing, oh, it can be hard at times. It still can be hard, but there's amazing grace. There's amazing grace, enabling grace. And there's a picture. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you'll have rest for your souls. We won't have the grace of God on this side except that which would draw us to him. But after we surrender to him, then we have grace to live, grace to forgive, grace to see, grace to know what to do with it, grace to be a part of the solution. But what will we do? What will you do?
on your table today, we have a tool. It is a tool. If you didn't get one at the door, it's a central tool with the Fresh Start Ministry on Monday night, and it's really central to all that we do. Who or what has offended or hurt you? Or what have you lost? Be specific. Write it down. Leader, anybody. How have you been affected? What have your thoughts been? What have your feelings been? How have you responded? What have you said? What have you done? Have you said, I'll never trust another leader again? Oh, it's all a farce. I'll never come to church again. We've had people come. It's amazing. We've had people come on Monday nights, for example, to Fresh Start, and their testimony has been, I haven't been, I haven't stepped foot in a church building for 20 years. It's never too late for a fresh start. But why is that? You know what it was, don't you? They got offended by somebody. Always, always, always. They get offended with God or offended with someone or the pride of their own life and running their own life. It's a combo. But so many times they get offended with people. They, quote, judge the church. And so many times what they have experienced is not what God had in mind either. You know what I mean? They didn't like it. He didn't like it. It really wasn't the real thing. They didn't think it was. He said, I agree. But they went their own way in disillusionment, rebellion, hurt, isolation. Who suffered? But it's a joy to have them come. And it's, if you're among those, we're so glad you're here because it's never too late. But as we go through this, part four really starts touching on the core of what I'm trying to communicate this morning. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Tell him all about it. Even as I've shared my heart today, I've identified with those that I've counseled with over the years, and I have uh, identified with my own heart at times as I was pouring my heart out. Pour your heart out. King David, Psalm 142, verse 2, poured his complaint out to the Lord, but he landed in a good place, didn't he? Praising the Lord, a man after God's heart. Express your unmet desires to the Lord. Express your current desires to the Lord. Express thanks to the Lord. That's the, now, now we've got a problem, don't we? Thanks! Are you kidding? I'm supposed to thank God for this controlling, manipulative, attention-getting, lacking integrity, favor, playing favorite leader who's the poorest excuse for a leader I've ever known. He's a joke. He or she is a joke. What are you talking about? Give thanks. See, we misunderstand, don't we? Giving thanks doesn't mean I agree, I allow, it's okay. Giving thanks is submitting to God and his sovereignty because he's allowing it. And you may not understand fully why he is. I felt that it was important for you to hear earlier what I said, that a Popeye issue for me is weak leadership. <laughs> but you know what? I got the fear of the Lord. So how that translates for me is I'm going to learn. I'm going, to let, I'm going to let God have his way with me to make me the man and the leader that he wants me to be for his glory, regardless of what anybody else thinks. Because, you know, a lot of times people give you too much credit and other people don't give you enough. But I'm living to an audience of one. If he's happy, I'm happy. But being willing to be clay for the potter to mold and shape you the way he wants. That's what submission is all about. Submitting to him, allowing all things, having a view that all things work together for good for those who love God. All things work together. 
not separately, collectively, together. For those who love God, not everybody, those who love God and are called to his purpose. And his purpose is to mold and shape us into his image. That's always what he's up to. Does it feel good? Can he use imperfect, poor excuse for a leader, leaders? Yes. Yes, 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 if we let him. But then we're thinking, well, how about them? Will they ever change? How about the people they're hurting? How about the people they're offending? How about the people? How about the trail of blood? Does God know? Does God see? Are we willing to let him be in charge of that? Because could it be, could it be, that what it's going to take for that one, not, we're thinking, I can't relate to this, Lord. I wouldn't do it this way. But could it be that he would use a situation where a leader wounded another person and that God used that whole mess to bring that person to the Lord, and if they're already in the Lord, to use it as a catalyst for them to become more of the leader that he had them in mind to be by going through that experience, by supposedly being victimized, if you will. I've seen it again and again and again. When we were in Serbia, we saw examples here in, the, uh, in Omaha. We see it, I mean, common to man. These things that we've talked about are common to man. Rejection, shame, the wounding, the leadership failure, the, manip the manipulation and control. But what I love, what I love is for somebody to come through and out of that who has been burned, who has been wronged, who, who had been disillusioned, but, but God, they were willing. They were willing, and God met them, and he set them free. And now they're more fully alive, more anointed, more empowered. They've had the experience, they know, more motivated not to be that kind of a leader, that, that not to be that leader that they've dealt with in the past. And they want to be a part of the solution. I see, I've seen it again and again and again. I really believe that it's, it's, it's part of the making of a leader. It's not all of it, but I, I believe it's part of it. And we'll have a spiritual sensitivity, we'll have a humility, we'll have a brokenness that we probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And, and, we'll, and our hands will be trained for war in a way that they maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. We'll have a greater understanding of the demonic. We'll have a greater understanding of human nature, human selfishness. We'll have a greater understanding and a greater anointing and a greater moral authority, a greater spiritual authority than we would have otherwise. But we must see from God's point of view, so giving thanks is surrendering to his sovereignty. Our free will joined to his sovereignty. Submission. And, and it's really responding in the opposite spirit because uh, we, what we feel like doing is, no, 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 control, control, control. Fight it, fight it, fight it. I can't give thanks. But when you give thanks, you are responding in the opposite spirit. And there's great power, great authority in going upstream going against what's coming at you in the opposite spirit. Whether you bless those who have cursed you or forgive those who have wronged you or give thanks in all things, it's empowering. It's the cross. 
It's the resurrection life being released. And then forgiving, canceling the debt. They owe you nothing for your sake because Jesus has given all. And that gets back to what I shared earlier, is that the leadership, the leadership vacuum in us is what God wants to resolve, really. More than one thing is true. But as, as it relates to us, the leadership vacuum in us is his priority. Because there's a vacuum to the degree that we're putting people, places, and things ahead of thee. <laughs> and to the degree, he is our desire, and he is our delight, and he is enough, and he is sufficient. And in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of, I can't believe it, this is terrible. But we yield, 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 abandon, abandon, abandon. Lord, use it, break me, mold me, shape me, whatever you have to do. You know what you're doing. But we're agreeing with him. We're agreeing with him. And the vacuum goes away. The void goes away. And we're filled up with him. And then, and then, as that happens, we become a part of the solution. Which is what freedom is all about. Freedom. Free to love, free to be loved. Free to give, free to receive. Free to be the son or daughter we've been destined to be, created to be, fully alive and free. And we can have compassion and we can pray for one who's failing. We know they don't define us and they don't confine us. They don't confine you as much as you think. Anybody that thinks you're trapped, if you ever think you're trapped, you're giving power to something or someone other than God. We are never trapped. We are never trapped. If we think we are, we've given power. We've given too much power to something or someone. And if you think you're in a no-win situation, same thing. There is no such thing, from a kingdom perspective, there's no such thing as a no-win situation. Because winning is... Winning has to do with your response and my response. Winning isn't about being right. Winning is about, isn't about the other person repenting, and, and that'd be wonderful. That'd be winning for them. But winning, you obey. That's winning. As opposed to, oh, yeah, Steve, I've tried this before. The other person hasn't changed. I'm thinking, okay. Is that what it's about? Is that what it's about? the other person changing? Or is it about living a life, entering into a lifestyle that we enter into what I've taught on in part three of freedom, that place of divine immunity where we live free with divine immunity. We live free with divine immunity. It's, it's where we, instead of allowing the enemy to destroy our hearts over a cause, over what we think is right, we allow the one whose heart was pierced for our transgressions to heal our hearts and empower our hearts. And we enter into a lifestyle where no matter what anyone or anybody, no matter what anybody else is doing, and no matter what the circumstances are, we live in the secret place of the Most High where he defines us and he refines us. He defines us and refines us. And we're safe, we're secure there.
the battle may be raging, the storm may be, and the hurricane is about to hit the coast of Louisiana, but we are in the eye of the hurricane. So I hope you've heard my heart today, speaking of that. What I've been compelled, the, the thing that has compelled me most in why to present this today, even more than the Popeye perspective of, I can't stand, le I can't stand weak leadership, so therefore I want to be a part of the solution and what I teach and how I live and help people become whole and fully alive so that they are Christ-like followers of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, a part of the solution, filled with life, filled with love. I want to be a part of the solution. But what compels me even more today, and it has to do with what is at stake today, is you... Please, 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 I entreat you in the name of the Lord, start today processing the issues of your heart to get your heart back. The leader, the person, the mother, the father, the injustice isn't worth it. Will you take a bullet to your heart for that cause and let it kill you? Or will you let the one who was pierced for our transgressions heal you? Please, you... It's going to get away. It's going to get away, and you will, then you will be a part of the problem, and you'll do more damage than what has been done to you. So in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you awaken us today, that you would take away the veil, and even the counterfeit, sorrowing spirit that would come upon us and try to put depression and a counterfeit, uh, <clears throat> sorrowing spirit upon us and any deceit, anything that would blind us or keep us or hinder us for taking our responsibility today. Oh, yes, it's painful to see injustice. It's painful to see weak leadership. It's painful to see wrongs in the, in the lives of others. It's painful to be wronged. It's painful to be offended. It's painful to experience our losses. But, Lord, there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake, and I pray today we'll be so motivated that our hearts are at stake here in our relationship with you. What could be more... Will we allow anything or anyone to harm that in any way? May we have the fear of the Lord today. We may not know all of the details. We may not know all of what we need to do, but I pray that we'll start today. And I pray as an invitation to you today. A leader may not be the one. It could be somebody else. But I pray that you'll take this today and you'll write down or any piece of paper will do write down in code if you want it's between you and the Lord who it is that you've stumbled over who it is that has more power over you than he has over you and that today will be the beginning of the process for you I didn't say the end I said the beginning, a fresh start that leads to freedom. But know what is at stake. You don't want your heart to look like what's been on the screen today. You don't want your relationship ruined. You don't want to, you don't want to take another step. You don't want to go anywhere. because You'll become more blinded. You'll become more disillusioned. And you'll be like the ones that I've counseled with over the years who are disillusioned and their faith is shipwrecked. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. 
It's a place of death. It's a place of living death. It's a place, uh, you, though you're still alive, you're dead. You don't want that. Turn today. Let God take care of that one who's been wrong. Let that be God's issue. So as Jeff puts on the freedom song again, and as you have opportunity to think and pray for a moment, write down the person, you know who it is. You can write their initials. I'm not going to read it. We'll grind up the paper later. It's not for our reading enjoyment. It's between you and the Lord. But take opportunity today before you leave. Take opportunity today before you leave. To start. Getting your heart back. And being a part of the solution. Thank you, Lord. Speak to hearts here today. And as you take that, which you've written, just come to the cross. Just come to the cross. Wad it up if you prefer. Cast it at the foot of the cross. Out of you, off of you, shame off you. He paid it all. Let it be his. And for some of you, even see that by bringing it to the cross, you're seeing it as you're handing this off to God now. And you're going to let, him be, you're going to, you're going to let it be his issue now. It's been your issue. You've been preoccupied. Let it be his now. Let it be his. If he invites you in, you'll know it. If he invites you to be a part of dealing with it, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the invitation, and certainly in prayer. But make this a handoff today. The place of death, separate yourself from it today. And the place of life and getting your heart back. Thank you, Lord. Just release hearts here today to obey you. No pressure, just opportunity. I know there's much hurt, Lord. And I pray that everybody here will see this as a faith step, uh, that they won't set a standard that they've got to feel like doing this or they, they're excited about doing it, but they'll see this is just a faith step. It's not stepping over the Grand Canyon. It's one step, a faith step, which you will honor. You will honor this faith step of processing the issues of our heart and getting our hearts back and being fully alive and free in you. Thank you, Lord. So no pressure, just opportunity. Just feel free to come as the Lord would lead and as you desire and just put it at the foot of the cross and leave here today free. Thank you, Lord.
Feel free, feel free to linger and pray more or enjoy each other. And we'll look forward to the beginning of our new series of freedom, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. God bless.